Back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It is Encounter with God time. Very interesting uh, Bible study we're going to get in today about the eyes of the Lord. What's, what, what's that all about? Uh, before we go there, just a quick reminder that if you are struggling to get a signal wherever you might be, right now would be a great time to download the Faith FM app. Did you know <coughs> Excuse me. that on this day in 1954, the transistor radio was invented? So before the transistor radio was invented, uh, radios ran off uh, valves or tubes or whatever you wanted to call them. Did you ever? Did you ever own anything that ran off valves? Kelvin? Mum and dad, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. My my dad owned a uh, a radio that ran off valves. It was a great social occasion when the uh, radiogram was fired yes, up. Yes, yes, yes. The radiogram. That's we would, we right. We would listen to the radio or the um, like seventy two or seventy. What were they? Seventy long play. Um, the really records. fast spinning records. Yes, they just whiz around. Yep. Yeah, yeah. My dad had one that uh, would play anything from uh, sixteen to seventy, whatever they were. Um, and everything in between. It was uh, it was just amazing, and it would play multiple. You could load multiple records into it. It was it was state of the art, you know, equipment. Um, I love sneaking around the back because you could see inside. There were little holes drilled for ventilation, and you could see all the valves glowing. Yes, yes, and, and this was the thing with the with the valve radio. Um, those valves had to heat up before it would actually work. And so the portable radios that existed before the transistor radio was invented, the portable radios ran off valves, and so they required a a battery. Uh, let me just see. I did write this down somewhere. Where did I write it down? Not there, not there. Oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. They, they, they required a, uh, let me see, um, an A battery. Had to have a, a single A battery in there to heat the tubes or the valves. Once they were heated, then you had to have a ninety a ninety volt B battery to power the unit. And so this was your portable radio. It came <laughs> in a box with a handle on top of it, so you could carry it with you. And before nineteen fifty four, if you had something like that, you were just you were just state of the art. I hate you to ask you how big your antenna was that you had to carry with it. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd have to run up an antenna, and of course, this was AM radio. And then in uh, in, in 1954, they invented the transistor radio because the transistor was in, invented in 47, the end of 47. Right. And so they brought out the transistor radio that you could actually put in your pocket. How this, modern, this, yeah. This was so transforming. Uh, so we went from the transistor radio to the boombox to the Walkman. Remember Walkmans? You put a tape player on it? Yes. And carry around, yeah. I remember the transistor. I, I thought I was a big grown up. Like when I when I got a Christmas present and it was my own personal transistor radio. Like that was a big thing. I'd really made it then. Yeah, absolutely massive. I never had a Walkman, but I did have a transistor radio. Then you had portable CD players. I had one of those. Uh, then your MP3 player. Remember the iPods? Yes. Yep. Uh, we all remember those. And of course now. Uh, we have smartphones, and the great way to listen to the radio today, the great way to listen to Faith FM is on your smartphone. Just download the Faith FM app. It'll take you all of about 30 milliseconds, and you'll be up and running with a perfect signal wherever you are. Just run it through your car stereo, and you are good to go. Anyway, there was a little bit of a uh, a reminisce down history lane for Kelvin and myself 
Uh, Liam, of course, is sitting here thinking, what, what, what on earth are they talking about? Tran- tra- transistor yeah. radio? What's, 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 what's all that about? Your, your grey hairs on your head are really showing through <laughs> at the moment. Hey, Liam, have you, ever seen a, have you ever seen a Walkman with tapes in it? I have seen a Walkman. Battery powered? Uh, yes, I think it was. Uh, have you ever used one? Absolutely not. There you go. <laughs> yeah, if you went on a decent walk, you really had to take spare batteries with you. Yeah, one day Liam's going to talk to his grandchildren about, back in the day, I remember iPods. Because yes. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure Liam uh, remembered. You, you'd be you'd be old enough to have owned an iPod. I right? had an iPod when I was younger. There you go. There you go. Old enough to own an iPod. I even got so. to teach my grandfather how to use an iPod, which was very exciting. That would be amazingly exciting, and you'll be able to talk to your grandchildren about it one day. Hopefully not. Well, hopefully in heaven, where uh, I'm sure we'll be able to tune into whatever station we want, just by the power of thought. Imagine that. I wonder what my grandchildren will be teaching me about, though. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, what will technology be, but who knows? In the future? Well, you know, it'll be probably be a little bit like this. I believe that by the time that Liam's grandchildren come along, those grandchildren, we will all be living in heaven, and so Liam's grandchildren will be teaching Liam things that they know. But Liam won't struggle to know because his brain will still be just as sharp as theirs. That will be very good to, to have. Yes. We're all looking forward to that day. I know my grandparents would have liked that. Um, so if I could get that, that'd be handy. Uh, and your grandparents will at some stage. It's just a matter of time. Jesus is coming back soon, and I think it's a matter of very, very little time when I see what's happening in our world right now. Time to get into our Bible study, and we're going to look at the eyes of God. So this is this is kind of a study that you know when I see the title of it, Kelvin, it's it's kind of down your alley. I, I've never done a Bible study on the eyes of God before. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about Moses. He couldn't even look upon God because of his intense brightness. Yes, like he had to turn away, um, and he could when he looked here, he saw the back of God's goodness as he walked past. That's right. So what would it be like to look at the world, to look at the universe through God's eyes, through God's perspective? Uh, and I think this is what our lesson is, is really looking at because the Bible talks about you know, the eyes of God. You know, they roam to and fro in the earth. We've got these various verses that talk about uh, this kind of concept and we often don't stop to think about what does that actually mean? And can we, through Bible study, gain a greater appreciation of what the world looks like through God's eyes. The way that you look at something vastly affects the way that you relate to it. For example, for a couple of thousand years, um, the brightest minds, the most educated people on the planet believed that our world was stationary, Uh. flat, and in the centre of the universe. So geocentric, yes, yes, the geocentric model, which we know now is actually the heliocentric, like we go around the sun. That's right. Correct. But it, it, it's your frame of reference. You, you look, from your point of view, it appears you know, yeah. that you are kind the centre of the universe. That's right, unless you're on the ocean, of course, and then uh, there's a thing called the horizon, uh, which, would, which would not exist if the world was flat. Anyway. Um, we're going to get all of the flat earthers calling in right now. So, yeah, go ahead if you would like to. Uh, our number is one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or you can text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. The open line is always available. Um, anyway, 
So the eyes of God. The eyes of God. So God's perspective. So so for a long time, uh, the brightest, most educated people believed that the earth was flat and stationary and in the center of the universe. And that affected the way they approached uh, everything that they knew about our world. That affected the way they approached navigation. That affected the way they approached you know, the natural world. Uh, it even affected the way they thought about God. Yep. So your science, your knowledge is all biased. By That's your right. understanding. By your worldview, yep. by the way you look at things. Yep. Uh, now we live in a world where uh, the majority of educated people, although it's rapidly diminishing, believe that human beings evolved from lower life forms. And, uh, you know, as we have learnt from the past, when you have a theory about something that is unproven, don't hang on to that too strongly because it's likely to change. And, of course, with the process of evolution, it is rapidly changing and people are rapidly moving away from it because they are recognising that actually, well, it's yeah. a theory that's actually impossible. Yeah, so a theory is a growing model. It's a, it's a working yes, model. You, that's right. As more knowledge is added, you modify that theory to accommodate your understanding at that time. Which is different from empirical science because empirical, empirical science uh, doesn't change. It's based no, off... Uh, it's factual. That's right. Yep. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's look at a few Bible verses on this subject. Let's go to Psalms chapter 53 and verse 1. So we look at our world through our eyes and through our worldview. And if you look at the world through a worldview of a creator, you're going to have a very different nat- understanding of the natural world than if you look at the world through the, through the uh, worldview of an evolutionist. Psalms 53 and verse 1, please, Kelvin. Says... Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them go, does good. That's pretty strong language right there. It reminds me of a passage in uh, Romans chapter 1. I think it is verse 22. Do you want to flick over there real quick? Romans. Let's try Romans chapter 1 verse 22. Uh, having a conversation with a friend of mine about this um, earlier. And it, it does well represent... What has taken place in the history of science? Romans 1 verse 22. That's right. Yep. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. All right. So if we Why stop not? there for a moment before we go any further, not just we fool, would say that utter, utter, fool. utter fools, utter fools, <laughs> complete fools. Yep. We would look back at people who believed that the earth was stationary, flat, and the center of the universe. We would say that they were utter, were and are utter fools for believing that because of what we now know from empirical science. Yeah, what we can measure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what we can measure, which, yep. which, and, 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 and that's empirical science. When it comes to theoretical science, we need to be very, very careful because if we get dogmatic about it like people did for thousands of years, then we end up looking like utter fools. And, of course, here Paul is talking about professing themselves to be wise. They did away with the concept of God and became utter fools. As it says in Psalms, chapter 53 and verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And so this, I, think it's, I think it's sort of one of the fastest ways to foolishness is to take God out of the equation. It's interesting, you look at men of science, great men of science, like Albert Einstein believed in God. Yes. He did some pretty amazing work in science. Yes. You look at Sir Isaac Newton. Yes. Like he... He's he well believed known. in God. He believed in a six-day creation. 
He's well known for his scientific writing, writings. However, that was only 10%. Like most of what he wrote about was all prophetic prophecy in the Bible. The Bible, that's right. And he is considered to be the single most influential scientist who ever lived. You know, you start reading stuff that Isaac Newton wrote about science and it really just does your head in. It's like, how does this guy's brain even work? Yeah, so... When you look at history, like Louis Pasteur, you look at Niels Bohr, you look at um, a whole bunch of these guys, Max Planck. Um, bunch, of, bunch of NASA at- astronauts. Yeah, extremely gifted in their area. Um, extremely, And we have a knowledge of science today based on their good hard work. Um, but those were people that believed in God. Absolutely. So these were not utter fools. They were very astute minds. Indeed, indeed. Very, very astute minds indeed. Okay, let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3. Proverbs 15 and verse 3. Proverbs 15 and verse 3 says, The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. That's right. Mine says the, uh, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Okay, so when you think about this verse right here, and, and, and it, you know, imagine the worldview that God has. Is this where we get the all-seeing eye from God, like with the concept of from this verse? Because I haven't come across too many other verses that mention this, but this is very particular. We cannot, where can we go to escape the vision of God? That's an interesting thought because the all-seeing eye is a symbol that you often find uh, used by the occult and so forth, and it symbolizes knowledge. Um, it comes from Gnosticism, which was salvation through knowledge, and it is yeah definitely a symbol of you know all knowing, all being, you know, and and from there of course it became it went on to become a uh, a symbol of globalization, new world order, that kind of thing. Um, put it within the pyramid, mix it with um, Egyptian mysticism, and you get uh, all of my conspiracy juices flowing all at once. Um, but yes, it's a symbol of knowledge and salvation through knowledge, through being able to see everything. And God is the only one who sees everything. Uh, God does see everything, and so God does have the full picture, and so God does have the right to sit back when we think that we've come up with something smart and say, well, actually, you're a fool, because I can actually see what's going on. You can't see what's going on. I can. So this is God's perspective. Yeah. So God's not interfering. He's actually just sitting there and he's just watching. No. No? No. Because when he made Adam and Eve, he created the Garden of Eden. Yes. Gave them full authority to do whatever they want. Yes. He told them to, um, to care for it and to keep it. Yes. To tend for it, to dress it. And then he stepped back. And then he came and visited them in the cool of the evening, and then he instructed them about the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Yes. And then he built a relationship with them. But he never forced them. He gave them freedom. Yes. He okay, gave them so knowledge, God and he does, gave them freedom. Yes. So God does not interfere with our freedom. Never. Correct. But if we invite him into our life... He will interfere all over the place if we ask him to do so. So if you get sick with a particular disease and you pray for healing and God chooses to heal you, God has interfe- interfered in, a, in your life. 
in a voluntary way. Yes. So if we are utter fools, we don't want to stay as a fool, though. No. We want to be educated and That's we right. want to improve our learning and knowledge and understanding. Yes. So in that way, it's actually beneficial for us. Absolutely. All right, Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 21. We're smashing through a whole bunch of uh, verses here this morning. So Isaiah 45, verse 21. Verse 21 says, Consult together, argue your case, get together and decide what to say. Who made these things known so long ago? What idol ever told you that they would happen? Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me. A righteous God and Saviour. There is none but me. Let me read it from a, uh, another translation. Declare what is to be present. Yeah, that's new living. Yep. So uh, declare what it is to be present. Present it. Oh, sorry. So no, I misread that. Declare what is to be. Present it. Okay, so the challenge here, Kelvin, is for you to declare what is to take place. Let me find another translation So you're asking again. me to see into the future. That's right. That's exactly what I'm asking you. And this is what God Make, is challenging you. Here in Isaiah 45, this is what God is challenging you with. You know, this, like, is, this is a scientific method. You, when, you come up, when you want to do an experiment, you come up with a hypothesis. Your hypothesis is predicting what the outcome will be, if you're yes, correct. Yes. So this is scientific. Okay. Yep. And then... It, uh, so you declare what what your hypothesis is. Yes. Then you present it. Yes. All right. So let me let me try it from uh, the KJV here, verse uh, where are we? Forty-five, verse twenty-one. It says, "Tell you and bring them near. Let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient times?" Okay. So now it goes on into another realm altogether because it says, "Okay, God's come along, and God has said, uh, let's 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 follow the scientific method here." Let's put let's put God to the test. Yep. So let's test this. Declare what is to be and present it. So God says, "All right, I'll do that. I will declare what is to be. Here it is. Now uh, take counsel together and ask yourself: Is anybody else able to do that? Has any idol ever been able to do that?" And he's like, guys, I want you to get as many people together as you can. Take counsel together. Get, get all of the smart people around and let's, let's, let's work on this. Let's see if you can come up with what is going to take place in the future because I have declared what will take place in the future. Yeah, so this is Daniel. The story of Daniel jumps into mind, doesn't it? Oh, it just does. All the wise men yes. were asked and given an opportunity to declare what would happen. The future. Yep. And they were unable to do so. Uh, and of course, God says, "Well, you know, and it's just not a matter of predicting what the weather will be like tomorrow. I predict it from That's ancient times, from yeah. the distant past, yeah. uh, from long, long ago." You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so we uh, had uh, Bruce called through to talk about um, the, the the right and the left because we were talking about left-handed people earlier. Yes. And what's interesting is that both of these words have alternative meanings. What's et, that? A, a, a homonym. A homonym. So they have alternative meanings. And so the word right is not just the right hand or the right side. It can also mean correct. That's correct. And left 
is not just the left hand or the left side, it can also mean gone. So there would be some interesting object lessons that you could draw out of that. And that would change our understanding a little bit too, wouldn't it? Like once you put that into the equation, there is, yeah, there's more than just one way to look at that. And uh, looking at, um, you know, Benjamin, the son of my right hand, well, Joseph left so that Benjamin became the son of his right hand um, and even though he is the father of left-handed people, became the right-hand man. Anyway, just some, just some interesting, just some interesting <laughs> little observations there. Okay, so we had uh, um, another call wanted to comment on God interfering. You said, "Does God interfere?" God doesn't interfere. I said, "God does interfere." Who is correct? Are we both right or are we both wrong? I think we should have a fight over this. Yes, I think jousting sticks. (laughs) Jousting sticks? Yeah, jousting (laughs) sticks in the car park. All right, jousting sticks in the car park. Just turn up here at Faith FM (laughs) and uh, Kelvin and I will be uh, holding a jewel. No, it works like this. God interferes with our permission. Yes, but I see it more. God God will never interfere with... Without our permission. I see it more as a cooperation. God okay. works in our lives All right. through our hearts and our minds, but he does it in cooperation and he does it alongside of us. Okay, so then interfere is the wrong word. Yeah, so I believe like Adam and Eve, like they were created equals. They were side by side. And God does not want to dominate us when we allow him, when we open the door, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yes. We allow him to come in. But even so, he still doesn't dominate over us. He still doesn't force upon us. He's still looking for that volition. He wants voluntary service. We subdue, we submit unto him, and that allows him to be um, like in, working in us, beside us. He's not a boss. He's a leader. He gets alongside and demonstrates through action um, how he wants us to live. Like He never ever wields the big stick and says, this is how you're supposed to do it, and then beats you when you make a, a wrong move. There are consequences to our wrong actions don't get me wrong but he i don't believe he forces and you might disagree i don't when when i read scripture and i see that god punishes people um i don't believe it's necessarily um an evil thing i think god permits it and allows it but i believe it is evil happening in our lives but it's like the four angels they hold back the four winds like it is it god allows that little bit to happen so that we can learn from it, but it's not him causing punishment. If Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think there is a place for um, punitive punishment by God in places, and that would be an interesting discussion to, to have uh, one day. But I think, I think on the word interfere, I think you win. Okay. I think I think I think I think we'll, we'll give uh, our justing competition to uh, Kelvin with this Notch one. Notch that up on the wall. That's Notch that one up. <laughs> on the wall. I'll, I'll, yeah, you can win that one. All right. Uh, let me see. Where were we up to? We were talking about Isaiah chapter forty-five and verse twenty-one. Um, a bunch of callers came through, and we've got some uh, another text message coming through. Let's just see what this one's got to say. Uh, let me see here. Hey guys, great show. I think if we could look at the world through God's eyes, we would be more kind and compassionate towards people. We would be less judgmental and the world would certainly be a better place. We would see the world through the victory that was won for us through Jesus Christ and would stop focusing on our own problems. This is a really fantastic comment. Yeah. 
Great and, comment right there, really putting it in perspective of what it means to look at the world through God's eyes. And what I really love here, this is God speaking to us, and he's telling us, go ahead, argue your case. Give us your best shot. Give us what all you've got. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because you he's, know what? He's laying down the gauntlet, isn't he? He is. If this is, yeah, the... This is the challenge. Slap, the slap. It's it's the jousting challenge. Yep. He says, I've got a scientific process, and my scientific process is that I have evidence, and you can test that evidence, and it is uh, repeatable because I have repeated, you know, how many prophecies are there in the Bible? Literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. How many times do you want me to repeat this yep. and put it to the test so that you can observe it? So he's putting his reputation on the line. But so far, his reputation is undefeated. Yes. So he's quite happy, all comers. Yeah, come on, see what you've got. That's right. Somebody texting through right now. Uh, through though history, God has through history, God has guided the events of the world. Daniel chapter two um, guides us to a better world. And I think that's one of the great things about what God has to say is that definitely he predicts what's coming in the future, but ultimately he describes a world that will be without sin. And that is something that we can all be looking forward to. Okay, a bit of a passage here to finish off with Luke chapter 1. Let's head over to Luke chapter 1, um, verse 26 no, to Matthew, 35. Luke, yep. Luke yep. what would you say, 21? 1, verse 26 to 35. And this, I think this is a really good example of, you know, of God stepping in and saying, okay, this is, uh, I, I can show you what the future is. Luke 21, what? 30? 26. 26 to 35. Yes. That's a big passage, okay. Starting at 26. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. Okay, is that Luke 1 or what? Luke Sorry? 21? Luke 21? No, we need Luke 1. Luke 1. Luke oh. 1. <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just slight difference. Okay, Luke Luke one. Yep. We'll now verse twenty six. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, is that is that better? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one we're looking for. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her in, and said, "Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you." Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord, of, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the, whole, the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Great passage there just to illustrate God's ability to be able to foretell the future and our ability to be able to test God's ability to do so. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right now, it is time for... Question of the day. Alrighty, are you ready for the question today, Lyle? Let's have a crack. The question today is if the Ten Commandments haven't been done away with, what are we to make of the death penalty that is linked to those commandments? For example, breaking the Sabbath, which is in Exodus thirty one fifteen. Okay, so this is a really good question. Now, Exodus thirty one verse fifteen. Here's 
a really important point before we move any further. Are the Ten Commandments listed in Exodus 31 and verse 15? No, they are not. The Ten Commandments, if you're going to find the Ten Commandments, you're going to look for them in two places in the Torah. The first place is in Exodus chapter 20, and the second place is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Those are the two places where you will find the Ten Commandments. And when God writes the Ten Commandments down, he does not write down the civil penalties that are attached to them. He simply carves the Ten Commandments onto two tables of stone. And the reason that God does this is because the civil penalties were entirely separate from the Ten Commandments themselves. Were they connected to the Ten Commandments? Was there an association between the two? Most definitely there was. However, the civil penalties were a part of a different law altogether. So you've got a number of different laws in the Bible. You've got the Ten Commandments, which are the eternal constitution of the government of God. The Bible says that they have always been there and always will be there. Uh, That's very plain. You also have the ceremonial law. That begins because of sin. There's no death before sin, of course. In the ceremonial law, you've got death of plants, death of animals, etc. And so that happens because of sin, and it ends with the cross. It's nailed to the cross. You have the laws of health and hygiene. They're kind of eternal, uh, particularly during a pandemic. Uh, They're more important than ever that we abide by the laws of health and hygiene. But the other laws that people miss out on or sometimes... Uh, confuse themselves over are the civil laws. And the civil laws is where you will find all of the civil penalties for the nation of Israel. These begin with Moses and they end with the Babylonian invasion. Uh, Once they went into Babylonian captivity, they were now no longer under the uh, Israelite or Jewish theocracy. They were now under the Babylonian monarchy followed by the Uh, uh, Persian monarchy, followed by the Greek monarchy, followed by the Roman Empire. And that's the period in which, you know, the uh, um, Jesus came under the Roman Empire and the New Testament was written under the Roman Empire. And so that was, and then of course, uh, you had the diaspora, Jews were spread all over the place. Now you have the state of Israel and they are under a democracy in Israel. So the theocracy ended with the Babylonian invasion. It begins with Moses, ends with the Babylonian invasion. And so only under the theocracy were the laws of that particular government applied. And, of course, the death penalty could be applied only because it was a theocracy. And so it's important not to confuse the Ten Commandments or the ceremonial law, etc., with the civil laws where you have civil punishments. When you confuse the two, it just becomes a whole mess. Uh, Now, do the two relate to each other? Yes, the civil laws did have penalties for breaking the Ten Commandments or the ceremonial law or whatever it might be. There were were civil penalties for um, all of these things, but they were not part of God's eternal Ten Commandments. That's the important point that we need to note right there. And of course, being under a theocracy where theocracy means rulership by God, you can have the death penalty because you have a God who is able to read a person's heart and mind and be able to pronounce a death penalty, whereas human beings can't do that because we can't see whether their probation has closed or not. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.